Hey guys, welcome to Ringsiders Wrestling. Jamie and Callum are here today and we are joined by the natural Kenny King. Kenny, thank you for joining us. I haven't been called that in a long time. Thanks for the throwback. <laughs> well, when I was putting the graphics together for today's episodes, um, I was I always put the, the person's like uh, nickname or you know what they go by. And when I was typing it out, I was like the natural Kenny King. And I was like, I'm sure you still go by the natural in some, like, to me, you'll always be the natural. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that, that is, uh, that part of my career was always dope, man, because that was really me finding myself and me, and, and, and it fits so well because um, I just took so well, so easy to this, to, to wrestling. It was just something yeah. that, I mean, that I always loved, but I never knew that that would just come so not necessarily easy to me but it was just something that i just was easily immersed in and it was like man i'm uh, this is what i want to do so sure uh, it, it wasn't hard so i guess that's why i made me the natural uh, is, is it something you look back on fondly that time in your career when you were the natural because I, i'm watching as a fan i honestly like when i was watching you in tna i definitely had you pegged as like a future world champion because and i still think there's many promotions where that could happen for you um i i just think it was such a a good i won't even say character i think it just fit you perfectly the natural yeah it was it's uh it, it was me just trying to like i tell my students now like with the version that you see of kenny king now is version you know 758 and you know what happened to the previous 757 versions was i just took a piece from this a piece from this and a piece from this so uh the natural was like version 18 or 19 (laughs) like uh it was just me um just kind of you know just having so much fun and just and 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 coming along and 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 really just getting it and, and and growing so uh that's why i love teaching young wrestlers now because i can see that same passion i can see that same um that position in time where it's just all about wrestling and wrestling is the you know that's all they care about and that's all they want to do and that's all i think about and i can remember like <laughs> that was me i can remember it well, well it's, i always like to start, well, oh go on Carl, are you all right go on all right i was gonna say well the, i think the first time i saw you was in oh, it might have been early ring not early ring of honor but like mid 2000s ring of honor or tna um and i remember thinking like this guy is really good and i'm not sure if you were a heel or face at the time i just remember you made an impression and but then i found out before that you were actually this is only something i found out today you actually tried out for tough enough i was it, on tough enough <laughs> you was on tough enough. yeah i i, I don't I, I used to watch tough enough and I, I was only young at the time i think i was only like maybe 10 years old might be why I don't remember, but you were on Tough Enough. That must have been a hell of an experience for a young wrestler. Final four. Final four. Final thank, four. Thank I need Jamie. to go back thank and watch that. Somebody's doing their homework on this show. Thank you. Yeah. I, I need to go back <laughs> and watch it because I, I remember I used to like Tough Enough, but I didn't really get it. It was a work or not when I was younger. Um, and then I just saw today, it was like Kenny King, Tough Enough finalist or something. And I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, man, uh, that was my first, uh, that was it. That's how the wrestling, the, the whole thing started. So I can cool. remember uh, watching <laughs> Tough Enough One in my dorm room. Yeah. 
a bunch of my friends looking at these guys like, man, these guys aren't even athletes. I can do that. Like watching these dudes not be able to jump rope and, and you know, just trip over themselves getting into the ring. And I, I can remember very specifically saying, I can do that. These dudes are, I'd blow them out of the water. But at the time I was playing football at the University of South Florida. And then, yeah. uh, you know, if you fast forward maybe 10 to 12 months later, uh, I'm walking on campus. I transferred from USF in, in Tampa to UNLV in Las Vegas, and I am walking on the, the UNLV campus, and I remember opening up the student, student newspaper, and there's a, a full-page ad, Are You Tough Enough? <laughs> the money where your mouth is, and I can, you know, and, and then that voice in my head was like, well, you said that you could do it, and, and that's how it started. I sent a video. You and had both. to do it at that point, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, yes, I absolutely did. I, I <laughs> That guy in my head would have been like, "Yeah, you talk all that nonsense, and you got scared." <laughs> yeah. So, but even then, you know, it's uh, it's it was still such a uh, a long shot that you sent that you even get an opportunity. You know, like they sure. said, I think fifteen thousand tape submissions had been sent in, and they they narrowed that down to a thousand people, or maybe like five hundred people that they brought into Vegas, and then they narrowed that down to twenty three people, which got narrowed down to thirteen people. So, like the odds just keep getting. Smallest, yeah, smallest. and then to be in the final four, I mean, that that's incredible in itself. I mean, do you feel like that whole experience kind of got you off the ground quicker than usual? Like, quicker than it would have taken if you didn't go on Tough Enough? Well, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's no question that uh, Tough Enough started me sort of in the middle, right? Um, I, and I learned that as a, as a young wrestler, having that Tough Enough experience, that there's a lot of dudes that... Uh, will begrudge you that, that that because you didn't start at the very bottom because you didn't you know I, I started I took my bumps and I started my training uh you know in a ring just like you did but just because you know yours was in a 100 degree ring and it was you know it was hot and sweet and mine was on MTV in an air-conditioned building you know like uh some people kind of took you know felt some kind of way about that um so tough enough without a question started me not one with training that you couldn't even buy right like how could you ever get bob holly al snow chavo grow and ivory to train you right and that was in that respect but then just by way of the notoriety and, and and the recognition of being on mtv and you know you're trying to be a pro wrestler on mtv so that was a that was a big boost for me early on big time what was and honestly speaking about the trainers uh what was it like actually learning from those guys because obviously you see it and al snow comes across as the father figure Bob Holly comes across as this, well, mean old man. I mean, yeah, <laughs> what, was yeah. it, what was it like training with those guys then? I mean, it's it, it's just like that, right? Like with any any set of trainers or any set of, uh, I don't know, authority figures, you have to learn the personalities and kind of get and, and get along accordingly. So Al was and still is my, my wrestling dad. Like I said, when I see him, I, I call him dad. You know, he yeah. was that guy for us. He, he called us all his kids. Um, and then you have, you know, Ivory was, Ivory had such a, a, a distinct personality and, you know, for her to be five foot nothing, you know what I'm saying? She was rough and tumble and everything's tough as Bob Holly. So, uh, yeah. and Chavo was the, you know, he taught us the, the technician. So each, each one of these people who, who are amazing wrestlers in their own right, you know, took a, a different kind of, uh, aspect of training. And, uh, and and kind of, you know, that was their specialty. And of course, Bob was just there to beat the hell out of us and, and intimidate us uh, whenever necessary. 
Yeah, I mean, I've interacted with Bob a couple of times on Twitter and stuff, and he he, he it comes across as actually he's a very very nice man. Um, is it is it is, it, is Bob a, a softy really? He's a sweetheart. He'll kill me. He'll kill me to hear this, <laughs> right? Because he doesn't want anybody to know it. But he's a sweetheart. He was. You know, Bob is that coach. He's a tough love coach. He's the guy yeah. that if he sees that you have potential, he's going to squeeze it out of you, even if you don't think that you have it. Um, he's going to definitely let you know when you've done wrong. But Bob was not the type of guy who wouldn't uh, who wouldn't praise you when he saw that you were coming along and you were doing it well. He would give you your, your props, too. So uh, one of my favorite guys, uh, definitely as tough as he looks, but as probably as, as nice and, as, and, and, and warm as he is tough. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like you had a really like good a good start to your wrestling career. Not like um, it doesn't sound like you were just given the opportunity because I think I feel like a lot of people think if you're on tough enough, you have it easy. But it doesn't sound like you did. It sounds like you still had to fight and scratch and claw for every opportunity that you had. And I think that's I think that's obvious judging by how well you've done. You've been in uh, Ring of Honor, Impact, you know, you've won numerous championships in every promotion. You've definitely made your own opportunities along the way, too. Well, um, you know, that was the thing for me also, right? After Tough Enough, because Tough Enough, was, Tough Enough wasn't easy in, in my yeah. history, the imagination. It was, they didn't take 13 regular people. They took 13 athletes, like highly, you know, high, finely tuned athletes from from every discipline and they put us through the ringer. Not only did we have to train in the ring for six hours a day, after that, we did military style um, beach training, you know, endurance training every single day. So um, it was no joke. It was it was one of the toughest periods of time in my life. But even after that, I just knew that I didn't want to be, and I knew that I'd heard this from after, you know, some of the Tough Enough One people were just going on independent shows and just kind of showing up off of the name of Tough Enough and just stinking it up and just, you know, just not have had applied any any effort toward the craft afterwards. So I knew I didn't want to do that. I knew once I got off of Tough Enough, which I still to this day think I should have won, but I digress. <laughs> uh, after that, I knew I was, I was trying to do this. So I didn't take any independent bookings for a full year. I trained, there was a school here in Las Vegas that I trained at where I got to train with Cowboy Scott Casey who trained Booker T and, uh, you know, Nick Bothwinkle, God rest his soul. Like these are amazing people that I got to train, carry on my training with. Uh, so that by the time I did take any bookings, I was ready. I wasn't going to, you know, yeah. uh, just be the tough enough kid. I was going to be this guy who's trying to break into pro wrestling. Yeah. yeah. I, I I'm a I'm a, a big big old school fan as well, uh, and I read about uh, Nick Bockwinkle training you. What what was that experience like? What what did you learn from Nick? I'm presuming that was more of an, an old school mentality with him. Nick was in charge of our promos, and uh, if I mean if I'm able to cut a promo, uh, and uh, then then I attribute most of that, a lot of that, to Nick Bockwinkle because mm. Nick would be our Thursday nights. He'd come in. Uh, Nick would be the old school Mean Gene uh, interviewer, you know what I mean? He'd give you a topic and, and he'd pitch to you. Uh, and then if, if you bored him in 30 seconds, he'd fall asleep right there in front of you, you know what I mean? He'd, and then wake up and, and then that's how you knew it was time to start over. And, and, and he, would, he would let you know, you know, the art of the promo is to uh, engage people, give them an idea of who you are and, and put asses in seats, right? Sell tickets. So um, he was very 
tough. He was very, very, very tough when it came to cutting a promo, um, only because he knew the importance of it. And uh, and he wouldn't let even people whose you know whose promos weren't stronger. He wouldn't. Oh uh, well, you're not. You're, you're you're big. You don't need to cut a promo anyway. Everybody who was there had to be able to at least um, you know complete the skill. And yeah. that was that that old school training right there is why you you know why you see so many guys from that era are successful. And I'm not saying that guys from new school era aren't successful, but there is a difference between old school training and sure. this kind of thing that's done now. Well, that's one thing that uh, when I first started watching you, a lot of people on like the wrestling forums and on Reddit and stuff like that were always saying how insanely charismatic you are. And now when you're saying about you doing promo class with Nick Bocklinkle, kind of makes sense if he was drilling that into you and you're doing promo classes with him and he'd fall asleep if your promo was boring. I that kind of stuck in your head a bit. So. That, I mean, and that's probably the nicest thing he would do. You know what I mean? He would do yeah. so, so, yeah, it was, it was a thing where if you came in on Thursdays, you all right, Nick's here, so let me let me at least have to step my game up because I didn't, didn't want to get torn apart in front of everybody in the class, and uh, and and that was just it. So um, it's 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 one thing to to, to have an uh, an a charisma, but it's another thing to develop it and to kind of understand how it relates to pro wrestling and how to 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 make it relate to fans. So a lot of people can have like a natural charisma and I guess if you are the natural that you know kind of makes sense but a lot of people have natural charisma but they don't always know how to convey it in the in wrestling and right. I think if you can find out how to do that that's when you become like the rock or you know Steve Austin or something like that um for yourself I mean how did you managed to connect with the audience because you obviously did what was it you did and when did the penny drop for you when you realized like right this is working well i mean you know i think it's just one of those things where you try so many things uh and, and you, uh, like i said you know the version that version thing that i said earlier that just holds true because you take little bits of you know every match you have to kind of do self-analysis and say yeah. okay what well, what worked? What didn't work? What did they respond to? What they what did they not respond to? What did I think was going to get the biggest pop that, you know, was a fart in church and nothing <laughs> happened? So, you know, all of that stuff you got to take inventory of and uh, and start to, you know, if you, again, this, this is when there's lots of people that, uh, that, that put on gear and, and wrestle, but if you want to turn this into a career, you have to start doing these things and taking it to the next level. So, uh, that's when I start. When I started to be able to do that, realize I was doing that. You know, when I was able to say, "Oh, okay, well, I didn't think that that was going to go well that match, but then this one," and then able to apply that, um, I think that's when there's there's a period in time of pro wrestling where you stop worrying about the, the footsteps and you start listening to the music. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, that's that's kind of when. Yeah, because I, I imagine as a young wrestler, you can be quite in your head about remembering certain parts and worrying about the smaller details. Uh, once you can get out of your own head, I'm guessing that's when you can really start to focus on right. being, in, being in the moment. That's that's the number one key. Key thing in pro wrestling is learning how to be in the moment. So obviously, moving on, obviously, Ring of Honor. I know Callum was a huge fan back in the, the, the days, wasn't you? Um, how did that come about? How did you uh, get signed with Ring of Honor? Uh, I was, I moved from Las Vegas to back to Florida and I was doing a bunch of indies in Florida and, and I was worried, 
you know, concerned, thinking, well, maybe I should move to the Northeast uh, because at that point, maybe like 05, 06, like the Northeast, you know, uh, those were huge indies, uh, Jersey All Pro, CZW, um, you know, a lot of those big names. And I kind of wanted to work with some of those names because my goal at that point was trying to get the ring of honor. But getting uh, going to Florida, I started working for uh, Full Impact Pro or FIP. And mm-hmm. uh, FIP had a working relationship with Ring of Honor, or developed a working relationship with Ring of Honor, where um, Gabe Sapolsky would come down and, you know, they would do, like, talent exchanges. And Sal, uh, the, the, the promoter of FIP, would do a lot of, like, uh, <clears throat> a lot of behind-the-scenes things for ROH videos and things. So they had a working relationship, and it extended in FIP, where the guys who were deemed to be, you know, the, 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 the top guys in FIP would get a shot to wrestle Ring of Honor guys. So that had happened, uh, you know, been happening for maybe like a year or two. And I can remember the, the match that it had actually, that, that when Gabe came over to me and said, you know, uh, you're coming to Ring of Honor next month, was I'd wrestled a guy named Tyler Black. Or, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, well, you haven't heard him in a long time. I wonder what happened to that guy. But there's a guy that looks just like him who's, who's really good, too. So, uh, and I wrestled Tyler Black, and I can remember uh, being late because, you know, I'm a shoot job at that point. So, uh, being late, and I had to drive like three hours, and I got in there, and Gabe was mad, and he was, oh, you better, this better be a great match, and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and I think me and Tyler went out there trying to kill each other. And I don't even think that, you know, I was in the back taking off my boots, and Gabe came in and said, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to give you these Ring of Honor dates. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what's up. Um, and, you know, even then, it, those, those were still kind of like tentative dates and whatnot. And it was still maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe two or three of those. Maybe even like six, seven months after that when I actually signed my first Ring of Honor deal. And I think that was in 08. Yeah. I, actually, thinking back, I, I said earlier I wasn't sure if it was Ring of Honor or TNA that I first saw you. <laughs> now you've mentioned Full Impact. It was definitely when you were in through full impact, because I used to watch that as well. Um, with the working relationship they had with Ring of Honor, they were bringing in quite a few new guys. There was like a, a surge of talent who came into Ring of Honor around that time. A lot yeah. of guys from Chikara, I believe it was. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of new talent coming in. And yeah, that's it. I remember you coming into Ring of Honor. Um, was it What was it like coming into the environment like Ring of Honor? Because obviously... You were a former tag team champion in Full Impact Pro. Did you? Does it feel like you had to start again when you came back into Ring of when you came to Ring of Honor? Uh, did you feel like you had to wait the wait the ladder or? Oh yeah, I mean my yeah. very first match um, as a contracted talent in Ring of Honor was with Brian Danielson. Yeah. So uh, I went 15 minutes with Brian Danielson my very first match. So uh, and at that point in time, you've got Brian Danielson, Austin Aries. Nigel McGuinness, Roger Strong, uh, Davey Richards, I think, like, Jigsaw, Jack Evans, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was the, amazing. The, the talent, the, the talent, Claudio, Chris Hero, like, you know what I mean? The, the roster at that point was just insane. So, to be able to, you know, my, my goal was just to kind of be able just to make some noise, because I knew that, uh, and, and it was sink or swim ring of honor at that point, like, everybody's, you know, you'll, we'll give you 10 to 12 minutes, and you go out there, and you just go, um, and when you really want to go out there and, and every one of these guys is amongst one of the best in the world, um, it's, it's really one of those things where you got to sink or swim. You got to put up and shut up real fast. It, that was, um, error. Oh, sorry, Jimmy. Sorry. You 
Come. How, how important was obviously your ring of honor time as well because with the guys you said that you've been against like Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, you faced uh, Kevin Owens when he was Kevin Steen. Obviously, different guys, you know, wrestle different styles. Was that a big help to you? You know, getting to learn these different styles. That I, I think that was the uh, the appeal of Ring of Honor at that point for me, especially because you had so many dudes that could work so many different styles. Brian Danielson, one or Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan, whichever one he is today, right? Um, you know, one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, right? And then you've got uh, some of these guys like Jack Evans, one of the best technical, you know, high flyers in the world. So each each show, each match, you could be pitted against somebody who doesn't wrestle the style that you're used to or or wrestle your style. So getting the ability to get good at wrestling every style is um that experience is is extremely important it's one of the, the most important experiences that you can have as a pro wrestler is wrestling guys that wrestle different styles so that you're not a power guy or a speed guy or a lucha guy so that you have that kind of um uh diversity yeah yeah like you said the the, the talent in that time in Ring of Honor, the, the year that you came in is arguably one of the best, most stacked rosters in wrestling history. <laughs> like, especially like when you look at either where they've gone to, or like yourself, you're you former two-time X Division champion, Ring of Honor television champion. You you've got a lot of cre uh, credentials to your name too. So everyone in that period of Ring of Honor has done really well for themselves, and. It, everybody had a different style. You had Claudio, who was like the powerhouse. You had Seth Black, uh, sorry, Tyler Black, Seth Black, Tyler Black. Yeah. <laughs> was like, you know, your, your typical indie guy at the time. He was flashy. Uh, such a, an interesting time for you. Right. Um, what, what stands out for you as like one of your favorite early matches in that time in Ring of Honor? Oh, man. Uh... There's, so, there's quite a few of those. Um, I think I think it's one of these two. I think uh, either myself, this is from HDNet. It was me, Jay Briscoe, and Kenny Omega had mm. a three-way that was pretty insane. Um, I, that that just I remember being them calling it like this is one of the best shows, you know, the matches we've had on HDNet. Um, me and Kenny Omega also had a pretty crazy singles match in. Uh, in St. Louis, wrestling at the Gateway. That's early on. That's maybe '09. Um, what else? I, any of those scrambles, right? Like when you got four or five guys, where it's like you know everybody's just flying off the off the walls, and everybody's got to catch everybody. Where it's either an opener or you know the popcorn match to bring back, where it's all high energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, any one of those that I was ever stuck in, I was always my my. Mission was I'm I'm gonna come out of this the best guy no matter whether I win or lose the match I'm gonna come out of this looking the best so all of those were were fun too just just like I said my my goal was just to make my name and make uh, and make people remember me uh, because the, the true thing about Ring of Honor is a lot of guys also that that came in but a lot of dudes came and went too you know so it was never my goal to just kind of be a guy that appeared in Ring of Honor I wanted to kind of be there to stay. Oh, yeah, and I think you did. Easily, easily did that. Um, obviously, just speaking of that, because I know Callum's very modest, but Callum's like the biggest Kenny Omega fan in the world. I mean, what, what was it like getting in the room with Kenny? Because, you know, 
People say he's the best in the world. I mean, is he that good? What was it like being there with him? Uh, I think it was, you know, these. this is, again, very early in both of our careers. Mm. So we are both um, very... Uh, it, was, it was very easy to work with him because we wanted to, you know, we both wanted to just wow everybody. Uh, but he's, you know, he's, he's extre- extremely athletic. He's, you know, very, very much like me. He's extremely athletic, um, has very, uh, has uh, insane body control, great mm. cardio. I mean, I think that uh, that's a match that we could probably revisit in 2020, 2021, and it would be light years better than, than anything we did back then uh, because both of us are just, you know, light years better than we were back then. So uh, Kenny Omega is a great one to work with. I had a good time work, working. Well, I think that's a match me and Callum have both paid very good money to see. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, speaking um, of, uh, speaking of next year, um, obviously this year we've uh, had a global pandemic, which has kind of like side sidetracked a lot of people's plans. Speaking about your future in Ring of Honor, I mean, you're already a former Ring of Honor television champion. What's coming next year for you? I mean, everybody always has the right set on the uh, Ring of Honor World Championship, surely. That's got to be on your radar. I mean, it's on my radar. Uh, it's always on my radar, right? But, you know, you you have to... Um, obviously, your alliance is to overweigh, you know, your, your, your personal feelings. Sure. And, uh, to be... Uh, accepted to, and, and, and welcomed and actually invited into the Ingorganable organization by the guy who, one of the co-founders of it. Um, that was very important to me. Uh, and it's it's a very, you know, it's a dope thing on my resume, I think, to, to be, you know, Ingorganable. So um, that, to me, uh, is, is more important than the world title right now. So as long as Roosh has the world title, I got Roosh's back. And, uh, and anybody that come looking for, we got they got to go through us first. So you're loyal. I like that. Absolutely. So obviously, moving on, I, I want to talk TNA as well. Um, how did that come about, TNA? And then obviously, I'm going to talk about uh, the beatdown clan at some point as well. But uh, how did the TNA move come about? Well, uh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> You know, the, the, the simple fact of the TNA move, uh, and I've said this in, in, in multiple interviews, came down to this. My, my contract was up. Uh, I had spoke to the uh, the Ring of Honor management at that point where I sure, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I, I At that point, I, I even contemplated retiring, you know, just because it just I wasn't sure what, what, what I wanted to do. But I had told them that, listen, I know that I had put in at that point, four years under contract for Ring of Honor, and I felt like I had the, um, I had the ability, and I'd, I'd earned the right to at least see what I was worth other on, on the free market and elsewhere, right? And yeah. um, and that was discussed, uh, <laughs> that was discussed over and over and over, uh, and that was discussed before uh, the decision uh, for the first to win the tag belts was made, and um, and. I was not under contract in any way, shape, or form. Um, and even the handshake deal that I had made with Ring of Honor Management, we had spoke about it and had realized that it's Ring of Honor Management not beneficial to me. So I'm not going to honor any deal where you have the upper hand on me, especially if it's just a handshake deal. When when you knew in when going in that it was only going to be, be beneficial to you and not to me. So... Yeah. Uh, that being said, um, and I'm just trying to be as 
know, politically correct as as, uh, as usual because usually uh, I have a whole lot more fucks to say in this story. But you know, it's Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> so that being said, um, I get a phone. Well, um, the the truth is, this whole story is I got a, actually a phone call from Bill Demott um, before that, before, but maybe sometime around May, or April or May, right around Cauliflower Alley. So Cauliflower Alley is a convention in Las Vegas where it's a wrestling convention, a lot of old timers. So I run into Bill DeMott around that time. Bill DeMott had asked me what my status was in Ring of Honor because they were interested in bringing me to NXT. So I was like, well, my deal's up in May. That sounds fantastic to me. Let's keep talking. So we keep talking, we keep talking, we keep talking. The long and short of it is uh, Bill DeMott goes radio silent on me, right? In the period of time that I spoke to my wrestling dad, my wrestling dad, Al Snow, was working at TNA, and uh, he had called me in the period of time and said, hey, listen, we're doing an exhibition tournament. Um, if what's your, con- what's your contract situation like? If you're interested, we can bring you in uh, and, and at least give you a tryout match here. So all of those things are kind of on the horizon av- after I had basically told them the handshake deal was bullshit and I wasn't going to be honoring it anyway. So, so uh, Bill DeMott goes radio silent. Uh, I'm not under contract, although I am one half of the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, and I decided to go to TNA, uh, or at least down, well, the fact is I was going, I was in Orlando anyway. I was taking my daughter down to, uh, to see some family and to go to Disney World. And while I'm in Orlando, why the hell wouldn't I go <laughs> do business also, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's what I do. I go down on a Thursday. I go do business. I go do a tryout match. Uh, they say, absolutely, we'd like to have you wrestle on a show tonight, win tonight, and go on into uh, the go on into the, the pay-per-view on Sunday. And the, the one thing that I did was, as soon as that was, I called Ring of Honor management. Hey, look, this is what's happening. Um this is what you don't you don't have to worry about me you know throwing the title belts in the trash you don't have to worry about me doing anything to disrespect the company um but this is what i'm up to do because i'm not a contract and business is business and uh that's how i became and that is how you saw me uh show up on i think it was the july 4th edition of impact um and and completely blow it out of the water and obviously you, you your first exhibition title RVD, I mean, it's not a bad guy to take the title off. What was it like working with RVD? Because again, I've I've met RVD. And he seems like the most laid back, coolest guy I've ever met in my life. Um, was it easy to work with Rob? Uh well, here's what you gotta understand. For me, is that growing up, um, I was a big ECW fan, and the two best wrestlers in the world were Jerry Lynn and, and Rob Van Dam to me. And so when I got to to TNA, and then I was in a program with Rob Van Dam. Um, you know, 10, 14 year old Kenny was just like, <laughs> you know, um, Rob's a great dude. You know, he's very laid back, very easy to work with. Really, 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 really heavy. Um, <laughs> but uh, other than that, you know, it was it was literally one of my one of my life goals. You know, not only do I get to wrestle Rob Van Dam, I got to beat Rob Van Dam for the X Division Championship. So uh, that's pretty dope. You also got to hold the coolest looking version of the X Division title, in my opinion. It's, that part. Yeah. <laughs> that X Division title is one of the most beautiful belts in wrestling. I have somebody actually making that one for me. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, and 
about time I checked up on that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, because because I do believe that that is like the most amazing. Uh, just just it, three plates, the design, yeah. all yeah. that was the dopest exhibition belt. Absolutely, absolutely, and he held it twice. Yes, I did, but I hold the other. I hold the blue one the second time. So yeah, I mean, yeah, two-time exhibition championship. (laughs) Still, Uh, still a nice belt, but not as cool as the one you originally held. True. Uh, Obviously, as well, I know we'll 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 start letting you go so as well. But I've got to talk about the beatdown clan, Um, MVP Lashley, working with those guys because obviously they're they're kicking ass at the moment. They're doing some of the best things. Going at the moment, it's the but best thing by far. Yeah, I mean, their business are just incredible. Love them. Um, working with those guys, it was great. Um, you know, it 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 is one of those things where I had uh, a involuntary hiatus, I guess I would call it, from DNA <laughs> at the time, where yeah. after the exhibition championship, I kind of disappeared for a little bit, uh, and then they brought me back. Uh, as the king of the night, and I had, you know, they they brought me back with some fanfare, and uh, we had this whole uh, situation happening, and I was a little nervous because they were like, okay, you're going to come in, and MVP's the GM, and you're going to work with MVP, and, and you guys are going to do this, and I'd never met MVP before, and I thought, you know, just, just watching him, his character in WWE, and, and kind of how my character was developing, I had initial concerns because I was like, uh, I feel like we're too similar and we're going to be in the same space and it's going to be difficult for us to kind of, uh, for one of us to move because we're going to be trying to move in the same areas. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't one of my initial concerns, but um, it, it, the way that it worked and the way that it blended was like our, our characters and our personality, we occupy some of the same space, but we amplify the space together. If that makes any sense. Like it's, 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 we have such a chemistry inside of our relationship that we can take completely different angles, uh, hard hard angles in our character, because the other person's gonna carry it, C- cover that other part. If that make you know what I mean, and that was something that we discovered through working together. And we're like, okay, okay, and then working with Bobby, how that three way dynamic was just insane, and then uh, and then t- to add Joe and Loki uh, to to actually form the beatdown clan. Um, it's, it's one of the, you know, I hear every time I do an interview and, and, and I, anytime I post a picture, I just hear about, and I still believe this, you know, just gone too soon. It was one of the, one of the, the, the most amazing things, uh, in pro wrestling that never got to fully develop. Yeah, absolutely. It was such a good faction. And I guess you could say in a lot of ways, the mentality of the beatdown clan was very much like the hair business. Like it was, it was the hair business before the hair business was, you know, um, the idea was the same. You were just a bunch of tough dudes who beat people up. <laughs> I think that's why people yeah. enjoyed it so much. There wasn't anything flashy about it. You were just tough dudes. You beat people up. And no fuss, it, no must, right? That's exactly. It. Yeah, that's it. And nobody messed with you because you came across as legitimately like badass. And I feel like that's kind of what, makes the hate business so good is because people don't have a hard time believing these are just tough dudes. Like you, they'll, they'll fuck you up. You know, sorry, it's a Sunday morning. In, in thousand dollars suits, right? Like, yeah, I love it. About it. Yeah. I love it. So simple, but so good. That's the best things in wrestling sometime, man. And I, and I'm so happy for the success that those dudes have. And, 
and uh, everything they're doing is just it's just fire right now. It's so good. Yeah, man. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about the beat now, Claro, because heel Kenny King is one of is to me one of the best heels I've seen in such a long time. Every week I've been just wanting to watch you get your ass kicked because you were doing the job so well. I was like, yeah. someone get Kenny this week. Someone get Kenny this week. <laughs> As a heel should. <laughs> like, pleasure to that, that is a job well done, so thank you. Uh, absolute pleasure. I mean, obviously, before we let you go, I've, I've always wondered as well, is it is playing the heel, do you prefer being the heel to the face? Uh, I do, because it's a little closer to my natural inclination, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just, it's just, I mean, baby faces, I think, I think it's like this too, right? I think it's just about how the, the way that you portray your baby face versus the way you portray your heel. Um, and I think that a lot of that has to come down to motivation. Um, a lot of people can be, because nowadays there are no such things as white hats and black hats, right? Everything is shades of gray and everybody's personal motivation. My personal motivation may sit well with you, Jamie, but Calum would be like, that guy's a dick. And that's all it yeah. takes to create a dynamic. So um, I, I think that that's what is... I don't know. I think that's one of the better parts about pro wrestling now is that I don't have to, as a babyface, um, you know, I don't have to toe. I mean, I do have to toe this line, but um, I, I don't necessarily have to do it in the traditional sense. As a heel, I, all bets are off, and that's why I like it because all bets are off. My job is to elicit a reaction, uh, and my job is to get as close to get you as close as to jumping over that guardrail uh, as possible. And if you do jump that guardrail. You, you, yeah, the amount of, that week after week, I'm like, someone's gonna get Kenny, someone's gonna beat Kenny, right? I'm just every week, and it's like testament to how good you are, man. It was, it was an absolute pleasure. And I, I was, I'm not kidding you, every week, I was like, somebody just kick his ass. It's just <laughs> well, one of the best heels I've seen in a very long time, and that's a testament to how good you are. I definitely say as a fan, watching you as a heel has been has been great. So uh, if you enjoy playing the heel more, it definitely comes across in your performance because it's so easy to dislike you in the nicest way. I mean that with all respect. <laughs> I get it. That's my job. You're an awesome job dude. Reaction, so it's good. <laughs> no. It, it's so weird saying that to somebody when you're talking to them. It's like, yeah, I love hating you, even though you think you're an awesome dude. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's so easy to dislike you. Right. <laughs> it's the paradox. It's the pro wrestling only in, paradox. Only in wrestling could that happen. Only. Yeah. Can that be the, big, the biggest? Too, I'm not sure, but we... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true though. It's like we mean it is the biggest compliment. Yet we're saying that we love seeing you get your ass kicked. It's like you know, it's brilliant. <laughs> but honestly, that's my job, right? That is that, that is that, that, absolutely that's yeah. That's it. Um, obviously, before we, we let you go, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, is there anything you want to plug, promote, social medias, merchandise? Well, yeah, man. I just want to uh, just let everybody know that Ring of Honor is back. Um, you know, we have a pure tournament, uh, and it is it's, everybody has been completely over the moon. I am still pissed about my uh, the decision, the, 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 how I was jerked in the pure tournament, but that's no here nor there. I should be definitely be pure champion. But that being said, um, the the new format, people are loving it. We have so much more uh, of that same coming. Uh, just continue to watch Ring of Honor. Uh, follow me on social media, Kenny King PB2 at Kenny King PB2. Uh, that's Twitter. That's Instagram. Um, 
you know, as you guys know, if you shout out at me, I probably shout back at you uh, unless I'm pissed about my team losing on Sunday. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, that's about it, man. Catch us on Ring of Honor. Continue to support. Um, be safe. Uh, and, uh, you know, wear a mask. Kenny, I hope the bets have better favor with you. Um, <laughs> this has kind of distracted you for 40 minutes or so. But like Jamie said, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Would love to speak to you again down the line, see what's Absolutely. going on in Ring of Honor. And maybe, hopefully, we'll see the pure title around your waist at some point too. So, yeah, Jamie, it's uh, it's been great speaking to you. Um, we've been Ringsiders, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>